Welcome to Onco Farm. I'm your host, John Bazaar. I am a professor of pharmacy practice here at our supporting sponsor, ETSU's Bill Gatton College of Pharmacy. It is December 1st, 2022. America are on to the round of 16 in the World Cup. Uh, and we're back after a Thanksgiving break hiatus to talk about a couple drugs, uh, one drug and one uh, indication for a drug uh, that are being withdrawn from the market here in the U.S. And we'll look at those and then talk about one new approval that I've been wondering if it'll happen for a while that's an ancillary product, not a not an, an oncology-specific drug, but interesting to me and I think to many of us nonetheless. So let's start with Belantamab Mofidotin, brand name Blenrep. Um, so whenever a drug gets the accelerated approval, as you know, they have to have a confirmatory phase three study to ensure that there's patient benefit. If not, the drug uh, is removed from the market. All right, so this is a voluntary withdrawal. And I, when a drug gets approved, uh, it's very loud, right? And the FDA, there's, I get an email, I get an email forwarded to me, that same email, I get it twice, I see it on Twitter. Um, I get a, a, an update email every Friday that has it in there. So when a drug gets approved, or a new drug gets approved, or a new indication is granted for a drug, everyone knows about it. I, I hear about it multiple times. It's like that woof episode on The Office. Now, if a drug gets removed, um, FDA doesn't say anything right away. Uh, the company will put out a press release like this. GSK provides an update on Blenrep, Belantamab Mofidotin. Uh, for U.S. market uh, authorization, the type of, they put out a type of headline. It's very well written because it's a headline you would not. It's not exciting. You wouldn't click on it if you saw that, right? But that should be a clue that something bad has happened to this product. In this case, Belantab and is being withdrawn voluntarily by GSK for a um, not showing overall survival benefit in their conformatory study. Um, so a little bit of history, uh, Belantamab Mofidotin, which we've talked about before, BCMA targeting uh, antibody drug conjugate with a, an ototoxic payload. Um, it was FDA approved on uh, August 5th, 2020, so more than two years ago. This drug got two years before uh, the negative confirmatory study came out. Um, the, um, <laughs> also, the press release says, for media and investors only. Well, I read it. Um, neither. Uh, now, on November 7th, there was a press release saying that there was negative outcomes from the DREAM, with an extra M, DREAM 3, uh, outcomes press release. This was a phase 3 study in re relapse refractory multi-myeloma of belantamab mofidotin versus pomalidomide and dexamethasone. And one of the co-primary endpoints was overall survival. Now, um, the inclusion criteria, if you go on clinicaltrials.gov, they had to have, I think, two lines of an imid and a proteasome inhibitor. They did not have to already receive a CD38 monoclonal antibody. So, so they did not have to receive daratumab, which means our pomalidomide dexamethasone regimen, these folks may or may not have received daratumab. They all should have received daratumab. Otherwise, this is an inferior uh, inferior standard of, of care, right, if they're not on dare, if they haven't already had dare, which we won't know until maybe it's published or presented, right? Belantamab mofidotin did not improve progression-free survival. The median PFS was 11.2 versus 7. Sounds great, but the hazard ratio is 1.3. Hazard ratio, that point estimate, is above 1, which means on average during that time, more folks progressed or died with belantamab than pomalidomide, despite that median PFS. Okay, So I would, I would guess that Katmire curve really drops off for belantamab mofidotin 
uh, after 50% of the events. And the hazard, or the 95% comes was 0.72. Okay, so you got like 28 right below one, up to 1.47, 4.7 above one. So there's a, there's a fat tail here, or a widespread after half of the patients progress here in the PFS curve. Now the overall survival, median OS 21 versus 21. 21.2 versus 21.1. No difference in median OS. Hazard ratio 1.14, 95% so 0.77 to 1.68. Kind of getting up there towards two on the, 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 on the high end of that 95% confidence interval. So did not show an overall survival benefit to what very well may be an inferior standard of care arm. All right. So, uh, and apologies to those of you on Twitter, you're going to hear this, to, who follow me on Twitter, you're going to hear this for the second time. Uh, this uh, withdrawal was not hard to see coming, but Belantamad Mofidotin made it hard to see. <laughs> um, you know, two years of use on a drug that, you know, you just can't see this happening again. Um, if Belantamad Mofidotin were a song, it'd be the Marshall Tucker Band's Can't You See? All right, I'm done. All right, the next drug withdrawal was atizolizumab's indication in bladder cancer. All right, now this is a... This story has been convoluted, so we'll, I'll, I'll go through the top line kind of result here, and then we'll go into some of the history here. All right, so on November 28th, this is just two days ago, press release. Genentech provides update on T-centric U.S. indication for previously untreated metastatic bladder cancer. All right, again, I have something to say is what the drug company is saying about our drug. Uh, and then they go on, that's the headline, right? So, uh, Atizolizumab had been uh, approved um, uh, originally back in um, in May of 2016, a long time ago, um, and uh, its its withdrawal is for the first line treatment of metastatic urothelial carcinoma, so bladder cancer. Um, not all bladder, but we'll say bladder, right? Could be some some upper tract urothelial carcinomas as well. So the approve the the approval based on response rate before it was for patients not eligible for cisplatin-based treatment, and they had a PD-L1 um, in the tumor area on immune cells above or equal to 5%. So they could have gotten carbo, but if they had a high PD-L1, you could get tizolizumab, right? That was one indication. The other indication was they couldn't get any chemo, um, any platinum chemo, regardless of PD-L1 status. That is, re that is removed, right? Um, and that's based on the phase three Invigor 130, which was first-line treatment of metastatic uh, bladder cancer with atizolizumab plus chemo versus chemo did not show overall survival benefit. Um, now, so first approval goes back in, in uh, May of 2016. Uh, in May of 2018, so four, more than four years ago, the FDA puts out a, a dear doctor letter, as we tend to call them, a warning saying that there was decreased survival in Invigor 130 and then also a an analogous pembrolizumab study. I guess it was key note something um, in patients with PDL1 low disease compared to chemo. Right. So I already knew that if you didn't have expression of PDL1 of the tumor, these drugs did not work compared to cisplatin-based chemo. A month later, um, they restricted the approval to those ineligible for cisplatin. Two months later, so now we're in August 2018. Um, they they say that only atizolizumab and pembro can be used if you're cisplatin ineligible and have high PDL1. Okay. Um, now, in August of last year, in 2021, Pembro's approval was restricted only if um, they were not a candidate for any platinum. So we, you know, the Pembro data came in earlier, and we saw that it wasn't 
not going to be approved for for folks unless I can get any platinum. D- today, um, you know, there there is no second line um, approval for a Tizo at all. It's it's completely uh, the indication is gone for Tizolizumab with bladder cancer. Pembro previously had an approval in the second line setting and then got an accelerated approval in the first line setting. Um, Interestingly in the story, if you go back to April of last year, the Oncology Drug Advisory Committee, ODAC, actually voted 10 to 1 in favor of upholding Tizzo's approval, accelerated approval in this space. And I have to assume, giving the benefit of the doubt, that the overall survival data they had not seen yet. So um, another example of a drug, in this case, that was on the market for six years before it was withdrawn, not showing benefit. And I, I know that this has happened. I'm sure that this, I don't know, but I'm, it's, you, you gotta believe that there were some, some physicians out there, um, you know, maybe, you know, whoever, maybe urologist, whatever, who, um, you know, well, urology wouldn't be treating metastatic disease probably, but some physicians said, yeah, you know, I, I think this person could handle a little bit of cisplatin, they probably can handle carboplatin, but I got the option to give this, this drug that's easier to administer for the patient and uh, it's an incurable disease and and that you know treating the patient maybe i don't treat the disease better but uh, maybe I, I treat the patient better and 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 you know a lot of drug got given that that was not helpful probably uh to treating that patient's bladder cancer or that patient's myeloma in the case of belantamab uh mofidotin. so um something that has becoming increasingly common and it, I, you know, I, I, I follow this, so I'm not necessarily surprised or 100% confused when this happens. But there's been a lot of changes with the antibodies uh, that were approved to manage patients with COVID. And I do get confused if they were for prevention of COVID symptoms, like people who couldn't get vaccine or treating COVID. Um, is it one antibody? Is it, is it a dual antibody product? Uh, that's confusing to me, and I'm a pharmacist, right? So for the the uh, your... Um, you know, your folks out there, patients who are not healthcare professionals, when they read these things, you can imagine how confusing this is to them if healthcare professionals are being confused who work in this space. So an issue that I don't see being uh, rectified anytime soon, something that we will continue to deal with. Um, so uh, uh, yeah, more more drugs being accelerated approval, you know, they're not all going to be uh, successes, of course. Uh, so we're going to see more and more of this, I think. All right. We have an approval, first FDA approval of fecal transplant. Fecal transplant been talked about for a long time, and I always wonder, how do they do this? How do they take feces from another human and transplant it into another person, right? So we have an FDA-approved product. It is uh, Rebiota or Rebiota, R-E-B-Y-O-T-A, like Rebiota. We're gonna reconstitute your microbiota, rebiota. Um, it's uh, it was it's approved for uh, to prevent uh, Clostridium difficile, to prevent C diff in people who've had prior C diff at least one episode, and you start it like like two days after they finish their antibiotics for their last course of C diff. Uh, the drug is administered rectally. It comes frozen. You have to thaw it in the fridge overnight. It's a live, it's live feces from donors. 
Uh, and the donor feces is screened for some, you know, transmissible organisms, but of course there may be some stuff that gets, uh, no, we don't know about that could be trans transmitted. Um, but you leave it in the freezer or you leave it in the fridge, comes frozen, leave it in the fridge. And then you, you basically take like an IV bag and reconstitute it and then administer it rectally. And you have to kind of use gravity to your advantage. And so it doesn't leak out. You know, you have to hands down, butt up. That's the way the, the drug is administered. Um, and uh, if you are unsure what that looks like, uh, as I tweeted, there are pictures in the PI of what that looks like. So we use a lot of antibiotics for our patients, especially those uh, working in hematologic malignancies and in uh, cellular therapeutics, bone marrow transplant. Use a lot of antibiotics, a lot of C diff in that patient population. So, so a product that is going to you know cause some, you know, where are you going to prepare this? Uh, probably not where you make your chemo potentially, uh, but that gets it kind of above my. Uh, you know, pharmacy admin is not my strong suit, to say the least. So that's what I have this week, 1st of December. The year is winding down here. Calendar year is winding down. FDA tends to get really busy at the end of the year. I don't I don't know why, but they have a lot of stuff that they approve in the year. So we're going to cover that. Uh, we'll do an end-of-year pod on the... Um, got some good feedback last year on the... We're going to keep this drug. We're going to re-gift it. We're going to return it. So we'll do that again uh, at the end of the year. Um, so thank you for listening. You can follow me on Twitter at FarmDNip, and you can follow the, uh, the podcast on both Twitter and Instagram at OncoFarmPod. And until I talk to you again, remember, doses matter. Doses matter.